section four of the rover volume one number eighteen this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the rover volume one number eighteen edited by seba smith and lawrence labrie section four a visit to wordsworth by the reverend orville dewey from ambleside i took a pony and rode to Rydal mount the residence of mr w i was so much disappointed in the appearance of mr w that i actually began to suspect that i had come to the cottage of one of his neighbours after ten minutes commonplace talk about the weather the travelling etc had passed i determined to find out whether i was mistaken and aware of his deep interest in the politics of england i veiled myself of some remark that was made to introduce that subject he immediately quit all commonplace and went into the subject with a flow a flood almost of conversation that soon left me in no doubt after this had gone on an hour or two wishing to change the theme i took occasion of a pause to observe that in this great political agitation poetry seemed to have died out entirely he said it had but that was not the only cause for there had been as he thought some years ago an overproduction and a surfeit mr w converses with great earnestness and has a habit as he walks and talks of stopping every fourth or fifth step and turning round to you to enforce what he is saying the subjects the first evening i passed with him were as i have said politics and poetry he remarked afterward that although he was known to the world only as a poet he had given twelve hours thought to the condition and prospects of society for one to poetry i replied that there appeared to me to be no contradiction in this since the spirit of poetry is the spirit of humanity since sympathy with humanity and with all its fortunes is an essential characteristic of poetry and politics is one of the grandest forms under which the welfare of the human race presents itself in politics mr w professes to be a reformer but upon the most deliberate plan and scale and he indulges in the most indignant and yet argumentative diatribes against the present course of things in england and in the saddest forebodings of what is to come the tide is beating now against aristocracy as an established religion and if it prevails anarchy and irreligion must follow he will see no other result he has no confidence in the people they are not fit to govern themselves not yet certainly public opinion the foolish opinion of the depraved ignorant and conceited mass ought not to be the law it ought not to be expressed in law it ought not to be represented in government the true representative government should represent the mind of a country and that is not found in the mass nor is it to be expressed by universal suffrage mr w constantly protested against the example of america as not being in point 
he insisted that the state of society the crowded population the urgency of want the tenures of property in england made a totally different case from ours he seemed evidently to admit though he did not in terms that hereditary rank and an established priesthood are indefensible in the broadest views of human rights and interests but the argument for them is that they cannot be removed without opening the door to greater evils to the unrestrained license of the multitude to incessant change disorder uncertainty and finally to oppression and tyranny he says the world is running mad with the notion that all its evils are to be relieved by political changes political remedies political nostrums whereas the great evils sin bondage misery lie deep in the heart and nothing but virtue and religion can remove them and upon the value and preciousness and indispensableness of religion indeed he talked very sagely earnestly and devoutly the next evening i went to tea to mr w s on a hospitable invitation to come to breakfast dinner or tea as i liked the conversation very soon again ran upon politics he thought there could be no independence in legislators who were dependent for their places upon the ever wavering breath of popular opinion and he wanted my opinion about the fact in our country i replied that as a secluded man and accustomed to look at the morale of these matters i certainly had felt that there was likely to be and probably was a great want of independence that i had often expressed the apprehension that our distinguished men were almost necessarily acting under biases that did not permit them to sit down in their closets and examine great political questions and measures in a fair and philosophical spirit then he said how can there be any safety i answered as i had frequently said before that our only safety lay in making the people wise but i added that our practical politicians were accustomed to say that there was a principle of safety in our conflicts in the necessarily conflicting opinions of the mass that they neutralized and balanced each other i admitted however that there was danger that all popular institutions involved danger that freedom was a trust and a perilous trust still i insisted that this was only an instance of a general principle that all probation was perilous that the greatest opportunity was always the greatest peril i maintained also that think as we might of political liberty there was no helping it that in the civilized world the course of opinion was irresistibly setting toward universal education and popular forms of government and nothing was to be done but to direct modify and control the tendency he fully admitted this said that in other centuries some glorious results might be brought out but that he saw nothing but darkness disorder and misery in the immediate prospect and that all he could do was to cast himself on providence i ventured to suggest that it seemed to me that all good and wise men had a work to do i said that i admitted friend to popular institutions as i was that the world was full of errors about liberty and there was a mistaken madness about popular freedom as if it were the grand panacea for all human ills and that powerful pens were needed to guide the public mind and that the pen of genius could scarcely be more nobly employed 
but he has no confidence in the body of the people in their willingness to read what is wholesome or to do what is right and this i took the liberty to say seemed to me the radical point on which he and i differed i told him that there were large communities in america in whom i did confide and that i believed other communities might be raised up to the same condition and that it appeared to me that it should be the grand effort of the world now to raise up this mass to knowledge to comfort and virtue since the mass was evidently ere long to rule for us after this conversation mr w proposed a walk to grasmere lake to see it after sunset and in that loveliest of all scenes i ever witnessed on earth were lost all thoughts but of religion and poetry i could not help saying with fervent sincerity i thank you sir for bringing me here at this hour for he had evidently taken some pains pushing aside some little interferences with his purpose to accomplish it he said in reply that so impressive was the scene to him that he felt almost as if it were a sin not to come here every fair evening we sat by the shore half an hour and talked of themes far removed from the strife of politics the village on the opposite side lay in deep shadow from which the tower of the church rose like heaven's sentinel on the gates of evening a single taper shot its solitary ray across the waters the little lake lay hushed in deep and solemn repose not a sound was heard upon its shore the fading light trembled upon the bosom of the waters which were here slightly ruffled and there lay as a mirror to reflect the serenity of heaven the dark mountains lay beyond with every varying shade that varying distance could give them the farthest ridges were sowed with light as if it were resolved into separate particles and showered down into the darkness below to make it visible the mountain side had a softness of shadowing upon it such as i never saw before and such as no painting i ever saw approached in the remotest degree it seemed mr w said as if it were clothed with the air above all was the clear sky looking almost cold it looked so pure along the horizon but warmed in the region a little higher with the vermilion tints of the softest sunset i am persuaded that the world might be travelled over without the sight of one such spectacle as this and all owing to the circumstances the time the hour it was perhaps not the least of those circumstances influencing the scene that it was an hour passed in one of his own holy retreats with wordsworth end of section four